are now on the last Sunday of October, and you have journeyed well for five weeks now uh, in this subject matter called spiritual warfare that is not an easy subject matter to endear yourself to, and you keep coming back, so that's encouraging to me. My goal in taking this on for this month are those three subtitles that are listed there. Spiritual warfare, yes. Engage the unseen, enable the believer, and encounter the freedom. And today we're going to be talking about now that you are free, understanding what happens as you transition through some of the breaking the chains that bind us and being able to be set free in life in some ways maybe you've never been set free before and definitely those that I've worked with who have walked through deliverance and to see what happens in their life on the other side of freedom. But I felt the best way maybe to lead off is to give you an example of what we're looking for as we conclude this series relating to engaging the unseen, enabling the believer, and encountering freedom. We had a great gathering last Sunday night at uh, our house. It was nice and warm, and we had uh, great food, and we had the uh, movie out underneath the stars, and we didn't even need blankets for those who stayed around. And the movie we watched was a movie I know that many of you have watched, but I had never watched before, and that is the movie called War Room. How many of you have seen War Room in this room? That's great. In this room, not in this room, but how many of you here today have seen War Room? If you've not, I really encourage you to get it. There are different moments through this movie, and this movie is about a family called the Jordans who uh, their life's sort of not well. The marriage is not well. They're not attending to the kid well. They're on this up and to the right trajectory with their careers, but then all kinds of problems start to break out, and you see the dysfunction in the home. And Elizabeth Jordan, the wife, who was a real estate person, encounters uh, an elderly lady by the name of uh, Clara, and Clara encourages her to fight for her family, but not in the way that Elizabeth has ever known to fight before, and that is that she is to fight for her family through spiritual warfare. And um, there are different places in this movie where I'm like just laughing, wanting to stand up and say an amen. I'm like, that's right. That's what we're talking about. That's what we need to do, right? And so I want to take you to a clip of this. Uh, Some of you are familiar with uh, Priscilla Schreier. She is a Christian author. She is a Christian speaker. She's also a PK, a preacher's kid, I understand. And this was her first time ever acting. Did you know that? When she did The War Room. And so uh, watch this as Priscilla comes to grip, sitting in her little war room, her prayer closet that she'd been encouraged to take on, praying to God. But then she's learning and growing, and she turns prayer. This is key. She turns her prayer into strategic spiritual warfare. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm not as judge you are. But I'm asking you, please, please, don't let him do this. Thank you. 
know where you are, devil. But I know you can hear me. You have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies, your schemes, and your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. you love that. I love it. We love it. God loves it. But there's someone who hates that. It's the adversary. The devil himself and his minions. They do not want you taking on the authority that you have to encounter the unseen world and bring about freedom in your home, in your family, in your workplace, over loved ones, in the church. And if you have struggled with this series in any way, I want you to know what your struggle's against. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities, powers, and evil forces, spiritual forces in high places. If the church wakes up to the spiritual realm and begins to fight on its knees through the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a lot of strongholds broken and a lot of freedom that comes about. But if we meander from week to week with weakness, doubt, double-mindedness, looking at our own life rather than looking at the resurrected life of Jesus Christ, we will have nominal Christianity. And nominal Christianity will not cut it this day in our world. It needs to be power-filled Christianity, the power of Jesus Christ. And I just love that uh, particular scene because she moved from being a weak, nominal Christian to an authoritative, Christ-centered, power-filled Christian in this movie. And that's what I want to see happen for your life. And that's why we've been on this journey this month. It's not been an easy journey. It's not been an easy journey intellectually. Because to try to pull back the unseen realm and discuss that we have this um, excluded middle that we've talked about. That there is an unseen in this natural world. is hard to comprehend intellectually and sometimes you're embarrassed to have some of that conversation with other people. We live in a very naturalistic world, a world without windows. It's been not only hard intellectually, it's also been hard personally. Because you've been evaluating your own life and maybe areas in your life that you have strongholds. Places that Satan has a foothold and he sort of has been messing with your life. And if you step back and you start to believe in the unseen and you start to think about it, you go, oh my goodness, he's been tripping me up for years. But you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, you feel powerless in many ways. And so it's been a difficult journey on a personal level sometimes because, well, you know that you need to see change happen, freedom come, and there's going to be 
requirements on your hand. And one of those key requirements is to want to turn, to resist the devil, to overcome the sinful nature by living in the spirit and the ways of the world by renewing your mind. There has to be change when you turn towards God. And when you turn towards God, he will make the devil flee. Submit yourselves then to God. She quoted out of James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's hard intellectually. It's hard on a personal level. But that challenge of resisting the devil is not an easy challenge as it relates to us even as a church. And I want to say thanks again for taking on the spiritual warfare challenge of looking into this. Because we as a church need to submit ourselves afresh and anew to God to be used by him in this valley. And we need to resist the devil and we need to do whatever it takes to be able to see freedom come to people. And he will run. I don't know about you, but on a week-to-week basis, I interact with different people. I read things like you read things. I hear stories from you concerning situations you're involved in, friendships you're involved in. And my heart grieves. Because there's a lot of people that are broken. There's a lot of people that are underneath strongholds of the adversary. And I hate it when I see the devil win. And I'm sort of like Priscilla Schreier there, the character Elizabeth, coming out the door that second time, you know, and said, you will not steal their joy. You will not steal my joy. And you will not have this family. And and you just take all your junk and you go back to where you came from. Do you ever get indignant when you see brokenness over people's lives? Or sometimes just head down trying to stay above water in your own life. We as a church need to take on the burden and the brokenness of our valley. And if we do, we need to be mindful that the adversary does not want us to engage the unseen realm and bring about his defeat. But that's been my prayer. It's been my prayer through this series that that we really would grow as a church. Personally, yes, because I know we all personally come together to make up the church, but that we would a church be bold. Not weird, not out there in left field, but spot on, front and center where God wants us to be. Do you pray God use us as a body of people? Whether it's the youth group or the children's ministry or we talked about you know, young adults here this morning, that 18 to 30 group coming together to, to lock arms, not just to have good times, but to, to go into battle to see the 18 and 30 year olds in this valley transform for Christ. And then for us as adults at whatever season we are, do we pray that God would break our hearts for the people that are underneath? Satanic and even demonic control. And you're like, really, Carrie? Like the way out stuff? No. It's in the oppressiveness and the double-mindedness and the weariness and the heaviness that you see upon household after household after household. We have a lot of rooftops in this valley. You drive around, they're putting up more and more and more all the time. They started a new one across the road from where I live recently. Do you know underneath every rooftop, there's a battle going on? over the lives that are in that household. And you can at least begin to pray. I enjoyed the movie Under the Stars. Reminded me I need to get back out under the stars more and walk at night more. And I've begun to ask God to help me to pray more for my neighborhood and to interact more for people in my neighborhood. If if each one of us in our neighborhoods began to pray strategic spiritual warfare for those who live underneath all these sprawling rooftops and we took the initiative to interact and to serve and to encourage and to reach out, Satan will flee and people will find freedom. So as we come to a conclusion today, now that we are free, I want us to envision the future, the future of what it's like To see a flood of freshly redeemed people walking through the doors of this church. In and out of life groups during the course of the week. 
people who have been set free from bondage and fear and double-mindedness and, and scaling the wrong success ladder, whatever it may be, and people that are becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. That's why God calls this church into existence week in and week out. But it's us that are called into battle. I've listed in your program the eight truths that we've walked through. I'm not going to repeat all those other than the main point lines. The truths of spiritual warfare, what you have in your program is actually not only a statement of these truths, but also an opportunity, and I'd appreciate it if you would do it, to sort of evaluate and reflect if each of these truths, was it new to you in your life and what degree? Is there any confusion or thoughts maybe about a truth or question you have or disagreement? And then just a general statement of what was your gut response when you dived into that truth. And maybe you were here for the particular week that that truth was, was acknowledged and maybe um, uh, you weren't. But these are the lead statements. Truths of spiritual warfare, one, you have a domain and it's bigger than you think. The unseen world exists. Number two, you have an enemy and it's not who you think. It's not that person that you're upset with. There is an adversary, Satan himself. Number three, you have a victor and he is more than you think. Jesus Christ is far more than we can ever comprehend his power and his authority. Number four, you have a calling, and it's grander than you think. It's what I just exhorted us to, to be his disciples going out into the highways and the byways of life to see people free. Number five, you have a battlefield, and it's broader than you think. The world, the flesh, and the devil himself are our three battlefronts, and we have to be mindful of all three and how to overcome them. Number six, you have an authority, and it is fiercer than you think. The authority of Jesus Christ is what we just saw portrayed in this video clip. Taking on that authority. And it's fierce in the spiritual realm. Number seven, we talked about last week. You have a freedom and it's not as far away as you think. And today, you, number eight, you have a protection and it is mightier than you think. I want to go back just briefly to number seven last week. We said you have a freedom, and it's not as far away as you think. Jesus is our divine healer and deliverer who expels the forces of evil attached to the garbage of our brokenness, weakness, and sin. The unmatched power of Christ is enforced when we come to him. We talked about it some in our life group this week. Maybe you did in yours. But this whole understanding that the adversary's demons, his workers, are attracted to stuff. And they're attracted to garbage in our life. If we have brokenness, weakness, and sin, brokenness is something maybe has happened to you. Weakness is something you're just prone to, to fall into. Sin is something you willfully did and you know it's wrong. That garbage in our life attracts the demonic realm. As rats are attracted to garbage, so also are unclean spirits. And spiritual warfare starts to happen over our lives when we do not address those issues or are not mindful of those issues. And as mice are attracted to the garbage, the snakes are attracted to the mice. And so we have the serpent who seeks to raise his ugly head and bring about destruction. But we have a hope. We have a freedom. We are not helpless in this unseen realm, but we must come to Jesus and allow him to enforce his power and authority. We threw up a few of what the strongholds might be in our lives from our rooted uh, curriculum, that, that our journey that we have. Bitterness. Maybe there's control issues. Maybe there's idolatry. And idolatry is not worshiping some idol. It's anything that's above God in your life. It can be an idol. Heaviness can become a, a stronghold in depression. Jealousy of what others have or what you don't have. Sexual impurity and all kinds of dimensions can be a stronghold. False teachings and religions can come and bring strongholds in our life. Insecurity, rejection, deceit, fear, pride. We listed a few of these. There's many, many others. But you can be guaranteed of this. There are rats that can be attracted to these 
broken, weak, sinned areas sometimes as, as they end up becoming in our life. And those can become strongholds and they have to be dealt with in the authority of the name of Christ in the victory that he brought about through his cross and his resurrection. So the categories of strongholds are there. The minions exist. And we said that we as um, followers of God can come up against opposition from these unclean spirits and external um, demonic warfare. Demonization is the word that's listed in Scripture. And it can be temptations, it can be disruptions, it can be oppositions, it can be obsessions, but there's oppression and bondage that can come upon believers in Christ and people who are not believers in Christ. But those strongholds sometimes can work their way through um, the gateway of entry and become internal strongholds, afflictions, attacks, vexations, and even possessions. Ways to resist Satan and demonic influences, we went over those quickly last week. I rephrased them a little bit this week. So what happens when we're up against these strongholds, up against the Satan's work in our life? Well, the first critical thing as a follower of Christ is that you have spiritual growth and you pursue deeper life in Christ. They do not like to be around the things of Jesus. And as you're growing deeper in Jesus Christ, allowing him to live more fully through your life, they're like, we're out of here. Many a times we can't deal with this. Now, sometimes they'll say, oh, my gosh, they're really taken off spiritually. We need to attack them more. So never confuse your spiritual growth and spiritual warfare in, in an equal equation. Sometimes spiritual warfare gets more intense as you try to grow spiritually. Because when you're neutral, when you're nominal Christian, when you're not having an influence of the people under the rooftops in your community and the people that are and the other cubicles in your workplace or wherever it may be, then you're, you're all right with them. But when you start taking on authority and ministering, they may sometimes raise their ugly head even more. But spiritual growth and deeper life in Christ is critical for you to resist Satan and demonic influences. So also daily worship and the relinquishing of burdens. I could do a vote in here today. How many of you came in with a worrisome, worrisome burden? You've been dwelling on it, thinking about it. It may be something of a physical nature, something of a financial nature, something of a relational nature, and you're just balled up with the burden of this in an undue way. And the adversary says, hey, you want to carry that around every day and worry yourself to death? I'm going to send some of my workers your way and just let them have at it and drive that deeper in you. Really, Carrie, are you serious about that? Yeah, I believe that to be true. That's why you need to daily worship and release your burdens to the Lord. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Sometimes I visually imagine just placing my burdens down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, you dealt with these. I need to let these go. This is driving me insane. Worrying about me. Daily worship and relinquishing burdens. And then truth encounter. Truth encounter, which comes from scriptural authority. It's what Jesus did when he was tempted. And we need to take the word of God and we need to proclaim his truth. You need to open up your scriptures to somewhere like in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Great chapters, right? We, we looked at some of these re, uh, verses related in chapter 2 that, you know, we um, are underneath the, the bondage of the, the prince of darkness the, the, that's working we are uh, prone to fall into uh, the gratifications of our sinful nature and the ways of the world. But Satan, you need to know this this morning. In my life, maybe it's true in your life. Ephesians 2, 4. But God is so rich in mercy, he so loved me. I changed the word from us to me. Do you ever do that? But God is so rich in mercy, he loved me so much that even though I was dead because of my sin. He gave me life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised me from the dead along with Christ and seated me with him in the heavenly realms because we, I am united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to me in all future generations, ages, as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards me as shown in all he has done for me. For I am united with Christ Jesus. You take out your word. You have a truth encounter. 
on your knees and you'd say what Priscilla Schreier said there. Get out of here, devil. This is what's true of my life. And you're basing it on scriptural authority, truth encounter. Many of us have strongholds in our mind. And we need to allow the truth of God to renew our mind, our identity, who we are. And then there's the power encounter where there has to be direct command. And sometimes that direct command is external. Sometimes it's a direct command for unclean spirits to leave from an external nature. But sometimes, sometimes it goes deeper. Mark 9, 14. Come back to it again. Jesus replied to his disciples when they couldn't cast the demons out. He said, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And sometimes this warfare where there's been a gateway of entry and it's no longer external, but it's internal. There needs to be a power encounter where that individual, that person, you yourselves, if you're under those strongholds, you come to Jesus and you personally allow him to take on the freedom and the deliverance that you need in Christ. We said that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And as the temple had different places, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies, Jesus came in and uh, he expelled the money changers, the corruption, the people that were set up selling things like they shouldn't be selling in the temple of God. And he expelled the parasites of uh, the religion from the holy temple and said, this will be a house of prayer. But in the temple, there's the holy of holy place. Can't touch that. High priest once a year would go into that place and offer a sacrifice or do his bidding on the day of atonement. And our life can reflect that where there is a holy of holies, which is our eternal spirit, and they can't touch that. But they can wreak havoc in our mind, our will and the emotions, the outer courts, our physical body. And sometimes infestation happens internally with people. But I want you to understand this clearly. As a believer in Christ, you need not fear because they can't touch your spirit. I've been in deliverance sessions before and prayer sessions, and we've been working to find freedom in an individual. And I will specifically ask, because they're stubborn, they're not leaving, and I'll say, in the name of Jesus Christ, where do you abide in this individual? And they will physically tell me, I'm in the mind. I'm in the stomach. Maybe there's a certain part of their body that's tweaking at that moment, and there's pain. They'll actually mention that part, and, and, and we pray that they will not have grounds to be able to bring pain in those parts. And then, and then I will ask, I will say, in the name of Jesus Christ, who dwells in their spirit, are you there? And they'll say, no. Why are you not there? Because we're not allowed to go there. Who dwells in the spirit? Jesus does. And you sit there, and this becomes more in a diagram in that moment, don't you think? And you're going, I'll be. How cool is that? One, I'm excited that we're protected. Scriptures say that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. In other words, your ticket into heaven isn't anything good you can do. So just quit trying to be good right now in your own rights to earn your way into heaven. We've all sinned. We're miserable sinners. The heart is deceitfully corrupt above all things, the Word says. But when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, his spirit comes and dwells within your spirit and seals you for the day of redemption. So when you stand before a holy God to get into his perfect heaven someday, he looks at you and he sees himself. He sees his spirit dwelling in your eternal spirit. And he says, come in to your eternal place of rest and dimension of work and worship. Jesus dwells in the spirit of an individual if the individual has received Christ. Now, you need to go this because there's a lot of questions on this whole thing. Can a Christian be internally demonized? 
Come this weekend. We'll talk about that more if you've got some heavy questions on it. I will just tell you this right up front, though. I would never attempt to do deliverance with any person who has internal demonization issues unless they first receive Jesus Christ to come into their spirit. It would be foolish of me to try to take the authority of Jesus to expel unclean spirits if they did not want the Holy Spirit dwelling in their life. The Holy Spirit comes, dwells within the Holy of Holies of an individual, and then Jesus, you ask him through his spirit, become the demon, not exorcist, the demon expulser, and say, you expel these unclean spirits, these mice, these rats, these parasites that have attached themselves to brokenness, weakness, and sin. Be gone. You have no rights. Now, sometimes they'll come back and say, we do want. We say, because they want to see. Well, then time out. We're going to talk through this. What's going on in your life that you would want that stronghold there? There may be fear, unforgiveness, bitterness, insecurity issues, and we deal with those in a beautiful way. And then you come back and they go, we have no grounds anymore. We will leave. And you expel them in the name of Jesus Christ. This is all part of what's been involved in deliverance works that I've been a part of. And some of you are okay with that. Others of you think, our pastor's weird. Trust me, going back to my story I told the first week, I've been kicking and screaming drug into this work over 30-some years of my life. But I say to myself, if someone doesn't do this work, will those people ever find freedom? Maybe so, by following Jesus, by doing truth encounters, by growing in Christ. But sometimes not. They hang on. Do you remember the demoniac of the Gerasenes? They didn't want to leave. And Jesus, for whatever reason, he says, I'll cast you into the pigs. They're stubborn. They're resistant. And sometimes you have to do a power encounter, direct commands, bring him to me. I want to encourage you. To come Friday and Saturday, the diagram of this continuum, the gateway of entry, sometimes these external unclean spirits have gained a gateway of entry and they can be internal on a varying place of degrees from minor internal demonization to severe internal demonization. If somebody's been involved in the occult, satanic Involvement, Wiccan, and I've dealt with people in that. Friends, I tell you what, heart, they're down there on that lower level in the eights, nines, and tens. But I have people who are clueless that there's been some gateway of entry through something in their life, whether knowingly, unknowingly, whether their fault or not their fault. And there is minor internal demonization, and we're foolish to think that it's just going to go away without some direct power encounter. And so a lot of people that I've worked with are on the one, two, and three kind of scale. I put this list up there. How do you discern, Carrie, between the external and the internal demonization issues? And these are just general thoughts, so please do not take these as, oh my gosh, this is, you know, something to go out and highly promote. You really, as you work through this kind of ministry over the years, I've come to realize these are just some of the ways that I can start to have some discernment. Ongoing patterns of sin, sickness, and defeat. Troubling ancestral past and connections. Deep personal brokenness, abuse, and fears. Occult involvement and major drug addiction. Unresolved mental and psychological disorders. Antichrist patterns of ingrained non-belief and mocking and judgmental spiritual attitudes. Now, it does not mean that if you have some identity with that or a friend with some identity with that, that they have an internal demonization issue. They may not even have an external demonization issue. There are things in the natural realm, but there are also things in the supernatural realm. But we need to have wise discernment unto it. When I list something like unresolved mental and psychological disorders, there are mental and psychological disorders. And therapy and psychology and other things, there's a lot of value and truth in that as God works through people to bring about freedom from issues in the past, healing, if you will, of the heart. 
But sometimes I've seen those things unresolved. And I just see people continuing to throw more medication that direction, trying to calm some things down rather than saying, well, maybe there's something else going on here. What about this dimension? There's a lot of dimensions for health in our life. The spirit dimension, though, sometimes can lean into the need to discuss this very issue. So how do you really know if something has happened where they've passed through this gateway of entry? I list up their ancestral past and connections. A lot of internal demonic issues actually come from ancestry. It's really strange. doesn't seem fair to me in a lot of ways. But you find out points of entry. There's points of entry. I mean, uh, well, I probably won't go into it. Better not. Come Friday, Saturday. We can talk about this more. Maybe it's a better setting than a Sunday morning. But there are points of entry. I, I, I just want you to know this. There's really no way, I believe, of being able to discern if it's internal or external unless you do the verse we threw up last week, 1 John 4, which is the testing of spirits. It says this, dear friends, this is written to Christians. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, is even now already at work in the world. We're going to talk about it Friday and Saturday. How, how do you do a time of testing to discern if something is no longer external, but it's the parasite has come and it now has some occupancy in the mind, will, emotions, or the physical body cavity, and it needs to be dealt with directly through a power encounter and a direct command. All right? So that's a little bit of the summation of that aspect of freedom, number seven. And um, we've journeyed well. In fact, the background we've been able to lay for these five weeks, I'm really encouraged by because we can really get at, interact, do a lot of Q&A and some other kinds of things and even pray and, and do some spiritual warfare um, this weekend. Now that you are free, what happens? Well, that James 4, 7 passage, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's true, it happens. And people gain freedom in life they never thought they'd have before. It's gone, it's gone, I feel free, I feel lighter. The whole countenance can change. Sometimes there's concern and doubt following it because there can be still warfare going on from an external nature and Satan's still a deceiver and he brings concern. But there's freedom that comes. Why? John 8:36. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So you have gained freedom. But what do we do with our freedom? Whether it's through uh, something like a, a direct power encounter where we gain freedom from strongholds or we just gain freedom by receiving Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior and he forgives our sin and our past is buried forever and he gives us a new identity. We become free in Christ. Well, Paul says in Galatians 5.1, he says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do you know what the yoke of slavery was during his time? Religion. Bunch of do's and don'ts. Legalism. Scrutinizing. Is this right or is this wrong? And he saw them come to salvation in Christ receive grace through faith, set free, and then he saw them fall back in to their legalistic religion. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not yell yourselves become burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that yoke of slavery, the legalism around, but the sinful nature that would come and raise its ugly head. And you start to incline yourself to live according to that nature rather than the nature of the spirit. Beautiful chapter, Galatians 5. Now that you're free, we spend a lot of time on the one I just added. Faith-filled prayer and inner healing. This is a primary diagram I'll end up showing somebody once they walk through deliverance, and I think it applies to those of us who fight external warfare. It's a picture of a house, and the house has this foundation underneath it. The foundation has some cracks. But if the foundation has cracks, guess what happens to the house? The house has cracks in a lot of places. In my mother's house, 
there's a crack that goes up the wall in the living room that's the exact same dimensions of the staircase that's behind it. And it's been patched. Multiple times it's been patched. But you can still see the crack comes back in the house, in the living room. You know why? Because there's some faulty foundation issues underneath. And you can fix the cracks all you want in the house, but until the foundation's corrected, you're never going to see your way through to what you want it to look like. So also in our personal lives, there's cracks, brokenness, and weakness, sin issues in people's lives many times because the foundation is not made whole. Christ comes in, gives a new foundation, but just because you have a new spiritual life doesn't mean that everything gets automatically corrected in your human natural life. So I write this, or it's referenced this way. I don't have a guy by the name of a scroll that's written this. Spiritual freedom does not automatically change one's psychological makeup. If the foundation of a person's life is somehow defective, then the rest of the house may be affected too. However, even when the foundation is made whole, the upper house may still have serious weaknesses needing to be made whole. Therefore, the ongoing inner healing of the mind and emotions for the will and emotions is critical. You see where this is headed? Now that you are free, guess what? You don't have this freedom to fall back into slavery to that which has been broken in your life before, but you now have a new freedom to work on those things to see your way through to victory that you've never been able to see through to before. I'll give you an example. I have seen people freed of unclean spirits of eating disorders, whether it's anorexia, bulimia, all right? And you see an unclean spirit that's been attached to this, that's driven this person, and they can never get over it. You get into a session, they're free to that because they say, no, I want to eat healthy. I want to be God's person. My physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I understand that. So I want to. Spirit ends up leaving. Next week, what's that person have to battle with? Some of the same stuff. Because their mind has to be reworked. To understand their self-image in the mirror is not what they think it needs to be or but what it is. So they renew their mind. They take on an understanding of even some of the psychological dimensions. But they have a new foundation. So this time when they start creating, fixing the cracks, it's like, wow, I have, I have more power to break through and to, and to change my life in these ways. So this is how this plays its way out. So now that you are free, guess what? You don't get to just sit around. You get to keep working on that sanctification, that Christ likeness, being changed into his likeness, allowing the spirit to be there, to be the one who changes all things. This is the key passage. And uh, we started out with this passage of Ephesians 6. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 10, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Yes! And that video clip we saw leading off was like, I recognize this. What does it say to begin with? Now that you are free, you need to be strong in the Lord and in your power. No, in his mighty power. I mean, this is at the end of Ephesians, and Ephesians is a beautiful, beautiful epistle written by Paul, and he's talking about different things, and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ, and, and things about the church and how the churches operate, and he comes down to the end, and he says, finally, let me sort of bring you some, some final thoughts here related to how this needs to move forward in our life and in our church. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power so now that you are free you gain the ability to become even stronger yet in christ therefore verse 13 some of you are very familiar with this passage you practice this passage that's good if you don't practice this passage let me encourage you because this is what i encourage someone to do i encourage someone on the evening that they find freedom and deliverance work to go home, open their Bible to Ephesians 6, lay out this scripture, and read it out loud every night before they go to bed. Therefore, 
Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand, to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. So he's going to exhort us to put on the armor of God. We're going to look at what that is. But friends, the day of evil will come. Maybe you're selling in a beautiful season of life. And you think the adversary is far from you and things are just going really well. Praise God. That's true. But I guarantee you, the day of evil will come. The day of evil and darkness will come. And when you're in the pit, what are you going to do? You're going to open Ephesians 6. You're going to be reminded that your fight's not against flesh and blood, but against things in the unseen realm. And you're going to put on the armor of God, and you're going to stand your ground. Stand your ground. The first three. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breast of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace the belt of truth the midsection protecting vital things in the midsection right they used to tuck their garments into their belt so they could go into battle and so the belt of truth truth itself this is not facts there can be facts in life and facts don't make much of a difference but the truth the ultimate absolute truth in Christ you gird yourself up you belt yourself with that protecting the midsection protecting the multiplication uh, the reproduction organs there's other things you, your protection of truth in your midsection then you're taking the breastplate of righteousness your righteousness no our righteousness is a filthy rag his righteousness the righteousness of Jesus, and we put on the breastplate of righteousness and protects the vital organs up top, the heart, the lungs. You stand garbed in him, and then your feet fitted, and they would put, you know, uh, they would put uh, steel caps, uh, steel uh, shins over um, their calves and things and their shoes because they could get tripped up. They could be at harm there. And the feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. Some of you have been watching the World Series. It's all tied up. That's good. Makes for a good World Series. They put on the uniform. They identify with that team. You're putting on this uniform. This is something that has to do with your identity. Your identity is the truth of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus. That's who you are. You suit up. That's who you are. But a baseball player cannot play baseball if he just has the uniform on. He has to pick up a few things, right? you got to pick up a mitt. you got to pick up a bat. you got to throw a ball. So also... Now that you're free, you need to pick up a few things. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is in the word of God. So it's descriptive here. The shield of faith, their shields were made with you know, double layers of wood, sometimes covered with leather and then sometimes soaked in water because the flaming arrows and they would shoot arrows that were on fire. Their shields could put out the arrows that were on fire. Satan is described as throwing flaming arrows in your direction. What are you going to do? Cover! No. You're going to take the shield of faith. The shield of faith is your belief in knowing who Jesus is, what he has done, and you will take your stand and you will say, no. You will not do that. You remember in, in the movie, in the war room movie, Claire, and they were sort of attacked in a garage by a thief with a knife, and she just stood right there in his face and said, you're not going to do this in the name of Jesus. That's standing with a shield of faith. Now, you might think that was just stupidity. But with the adversary, the shield of faith extinguishes a lot of flaming arrows. It's not a double-mindedness. That's why you better be confident in the resurrection and the work of Jesus on the cross. Take the helmet of salvation, that, that you are a child of the Most High God. Put it on your head. Buckle it around you. And then the sword of the Spirit. Sometimes when I'm in a deliverance session and we have a lot of 
push back from unclean spirits. I'll just grab the Bible and I'll just lay it on the person's knee. I've literally had in deliverance sessions them jump back. Go, don't touch me with that. You go, oh, come on, be real, Carrie. You making this up? No. I'm a skeptic as much as you are, but I'm in a deliverance session and I see the word of God touch them and they know what the word of God is. It's like a double-edged sword that's taking them away. Remember when I said first time I was in a deliverance session, I came out, a couple things. I was jacked up and excited and then I was also a little fearful because of, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> what's around? I tell you what, the ongoing work that I've been able to see God work has given me so much confidence in the authority of God's word that it helps me to stand to stand strong. He goes on and he says this then at the end, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. There's no armor attached to this, but this is how all the armor is actually used. With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He wrote this letter when he was in prison for the faith. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. If he can be that bold in prison, surely we can be that bold outside of prison, right? Jesus has given us the freedom. So number eight, you have a protection, and it's mightier than you think. The truth, righteousness, and gospel of Jesus is our strength. It's our uniform. Then we take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the word to daily, and I like how he phrased this, daily rout the enemy through spirit-fueled prayers. You believe it? I trust that you do. We as a body of people have a lot on our side to be able to engage the enemy for our fight is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to ask the ushers if uh, they'll come to receive um, the Lord's tithes and offerings this morning. And as they come, just want to share some concluding kind of encouragement and then have a prayer over us. So feel free to come and do that. If you filled out that evaluation, you can turn that in or you can turn it in at the back. I also have... Um, these yellow sheets at the back that just list the eight truths if you'd like to pick those up.